Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And Doug's not here this week because Doug is hopefully asleep. Um, he's he's not. He's left the building. Yes, Doug is uh, no longer in this uh, Zoom chat that we have. Uh, he was uh, briefly, but uh, he he was very tired, so we told him to go to bed. And hopefully, he listened to us. He he probably uh, didn't. No, pro- probably not. Uh, so, Doug, if you're listening to this, turn this off and go to bed. That's an order. Yeah, if you're somehow breaching through our Zoom chat right now listening. Oh, no, I'm, I'm talking about like when he's listening to this later. Oh, because I'll probably need to go to bed. Yeah, you're He right. undoubtedly right. needs to go to bed then, too. Right. Hey, we yeah. do have a guest this week, though. That's true. <laughs> well, I did yeah. introduce him. <laughs> hey, we, we have a guest on this week. It's Luke Sloboda. Hey, Luke. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Luke. Wow. Welcome. Uh, Luke, who are you? Uh, what, are, what, are, what are you doing here? And who let you in? Uh, I don't know who was... Oh, I mean, Elijah let me in. Um, but I'm a master's student in the University of Georgia studying social work. Um, and I am half black, which is why I'm here. Wow. That's, that, ladies and gentlemen is called tokenism and that's what we're about here at setting the scene. Uh, that's yeah, right that's uh, right yes. thanks for listening everyone uh, i'm kidding ben i'm kidding <laughs> yeah know. sometimes I, I mean sometimes i like to tell a joke every now and then but <laughs> i don't know i didn't uh, say jokinism <laughs> oh oh dear all right anyway uh, oh all right well this is a mess um, <laughs> uh but but we are observing black history month and we're trying to shine a light on films that have african-american directors and producers Hmm. and writers um in addition to actors um and uh we had we had a list of films to choose from and this was one that luke said he was interested in so that's why he's here yes 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 that's that film i was very interested in uh watching and especially discussing having known kind of a little about it at first all right, well, let's quit beating around the bush. Elijah, what did we watch this week? <laughs> we watched a movie called Fences. came out in 2016 uh, based on a play by August Wilson. Um, it was directed and produced and it's directed and produced by and stars Denzel Washington. Um, this movie has 17 producers, so I'm not going to list them all. Oh, um, yeah, um, I don't I don't know any of the names anyway, so I'm disinclined to read the whole list. I'm sorry, I just don't. But it also stars Viola Davis, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Javon Adepo, Russell Hornsby, and some other people. All right. And in terms of ratings, this movie got a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, 86% on Google, and we have a new rating this week. Empire gave it a 5 out of 5. Wow. And I'll tell you what, here's my fun fact. Uh, I saw at least three fences in this movie. Um, so be, be warned about so that. There, there were fences in this movie. You, you went in there like uh, ready to circle all the places in the picture where you saw a fence? Yep. Oh, yep. Emperor's New Groove style. All right. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, well, does anyone want to take a crack at uh, briefly explaining what happens in this movie? Uh, I can. Go for it, Tristan. All right. Uh, so this movie takes place uh, in a house, mostly, and the yard, and the fence next to the yard, which is being built throughout the movie. And uh, it's about, um, well, 
it it's really it's really a it's like a slice of life i guess kind of um and you have this father character who's played by denzel washington um, his wife is played by viola davis um and they have a son who i don't know who he's played by but eliza probably said his name um there's several other characters but as it goes along um the first half of this movie really is just trying to understand the dynamic of this family. So you learn a lot about who the dad is. Um, and like, he's the protagonist of this uh, film and, and the play. Um, but really it's just learning a lot about these characters. And as we go on, we start to see some conflict come in between um, the dad and his wife and that he is cheating on his wife pretty big conflict um, and how they deal with that. And he also has a daughter with the woman that he's cheating on uh, his wife with. So she comes into play. Um, And really that affects the whole family. It affects his relationship with his family. Um, It's like this character is, this movie is a huge character dive into our main character played by Denzel Washington. It's, It's a deep dive into who he is and what he's about and what made him the way he is. Um, we don't really delve into his history too much, although it's talked about in the movie. Um, but we we see it in in the way that he is in present day, um, and it's it's very much like we're we're seeing how this character is and exists, and we're learning about him and the people around him that he affects. Um, and at the end of the movie, um, we see his legacy um, for. Uh, a scene and it's a pretty long scene but we see his legacy and and what happens um after he passes away so it's it's hard to say that this movie has a long and vigorous plot because it really doesn't um but it but the characters in it have a long journey that they go and Mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of time that passes in this movie too and you see people change in that time as well oh yeah uh it's definitely a character piece uh, that I also wanted to mention this is the first film adaptation uh, from August Wilson's The Century Cycle uh, produced by Denzel Washington uh, the second one we talked about last week was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom uh, but this is the play that August Wilson wrote focusing on uh, the 50s yeah and um, so Denzel Washington is involved with producing movies based on all the plays in his Century Cycle dealing with looking at uh, the African-American experience through different decades in the 20th century, right? That's the concept. And so this one has us in the 1950s, um, which we'll talk about again later. Tristan, did you mention Troy's career? I don't think you did. No, I didn't. Um, Because they they give you some information about that early on and it it comes back up a lot. Yeah, I think... Go on. I think I, I think I missed well, it. He um, he played baseball. I think professionally, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, um, he mentioned uh, playing in the Negro Leagues. Yeah. Right. So it because it was segregated, um, and he, so he's he's dealing with bitterness about the injustice of him not being able to go farther than he could have gone, and his career ends up actually going nowhere. And at the time when the movie's taking place, he's a garbage man. <clears throat> yeah. We uh, also yeah. learn other little bits and pieces of his history at various points in the movie. And there are times when we feel like he might be lying about what's going on. Like he tells stories about talking to the devil and stuff like that. And all the other characters are like, 
you're blowing smoke. But some of it, you know, is true. Um, we learned that he was homeless for a while. We learned that he had to steal for a while to survive and provide for his family. So he's been through a lot and it's made him bitter. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember if it's uh, explicitly mentioned, but uh, Rose is also not the first woman that he was married to because he has another son, Lyons, who seems to be a good bit older. And I don't think it's mentioned what happens to her. Um, I don't think it is. So I, I think they mostly just focus on uh, Lyons when he shows up. They do say that she raised Lyons. Right. Yes. Um, Troy says something like, your mama did a, a, a number raising you or something like that. Yeah. Um, so he has, at, at least in the last portion of the movie, Troy has, has three children, mm -hmm. but all by different women. And yeah. um, so Lyons is the oldest. And then uh, Corey is the one who lives in the house along with Rosie, his mom, who is played by the immaculate Viola Davis. And yes. then the little girl comes along. Her name's uh, Ray. Raynell. 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 He also was imprisoned for mm -hmm. a number of years, correct? Which uh, I know Lyons talks about, like him not being around. Uh, That's when he meets Bono, his best friend. Yes, yeah. yeah, who is, he probably was my favorite character. Oh, yeah. Hey, Tristan, did you recognize the actor who plays him? Yeah, uh, he, well, I know him because he was in Lady Bird. That's what I was going to say. He was in Lady Bird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys recognize uh, Gabriel, Troy's brother? I don't think so. So, I was, I mean, I stared at him the whole movie, and I realized at the end, he played, uh, Bubba from Forrest Gump. Oh, really? Yes. Yep, wow. I'm looking it up now. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Ooh, interesting. I, I did not know that either. I also haven't seen Forrest Gump, so that makes sense why I would have noticed that. That's surprising, Ben. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> kind of hurts. I might leave well, it, it's fine. There are, there are a lot of movies I haven't seen. But speaking of that, have any of y'all ever seen this movie before? I have. I had not. No, I hadn't. I hadn't All seen right. it. Uh, well, Elijah, tell us a little bit about your experience with this film. I saw this not long after it came out. It was streaming. I'm pretty sure it was on Netflix for a while. It's not on there now. Um, but I streamed it not long after it was released. I watched it with my family and loved it a lot. And I think, I mean, for a long time, I've told people that Viola Davis is on my list of my favorite actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. um, and if anybody's ever asked me why, since I've seen that movie, I've generally directed them to this movie. And she did, by the way, I don't know if you guys looked this up, she won an Oscar and a Golden Globe for her performance mm -hmm. in this movie. So she won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, uh, which it was her own choice to be nominated for that one uh, because I believe Denzel Washington wanted her nominated for Best Leading Actress for this performance. Cool very cool of him um but yeah she she won both of those it, so i've i've pointed people to this movie to be like if you want to know why viola davis is a force to be reckoned with you need to watch fences i think it's um, also uh really interesting with her performance in particular because this feels so different from like other things that she's done um <clears throat> she's versatile right yes and she really shows it off in this because she is 
very much all over the place. You guys from being like cool, calm, and collected to um, like showing pain, but like trying to like hide it. And then when Troy tells her about Alberta, she loses it. And just the emotion that she puts into that performance, it's just. And you know, beautiful. I've, I've thought about this. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I don't want to dwell on this because it's dumb, but I want to say it. The scene after she finds out about the affair when she's crying and she's like wiping snot the whole time. I remember watching that and being blown away because I was like, this is the most realistic cry I've ever seen in a movie. Oh yeah. Yes. And then yeah. uh, like a year or two later when cats came out, <laughs> a lot of people made fun of a scene when I think Jennifer, I, I didn't see the movie, but I think it's Jennifer Hudson mm -hmm. who has a crying scene where she's covered in snot. Well, it, it's her big song number and she's like okay. in tears the whole time. There's snot going everywhere. Right. And I remember, I didn't see the movie, but I remember reading people being like, why was all the snot necessary? We know she's crying. And I thought, okay, that actually, like, I've, I was thinking to myself, like, I've seen a crying scene where that happened and mm -hmm. I was about to cry myself because it was beautiful it right, was yeah. such good acting and i was like okay the only reason anybody has a problem with it in cats is because this it's movie because is it's cats yeah, yeah, yeah exactly so I, just I, I mean honestly like when i saw cats i did not have a problem with that honestly i yeah. thought her song was one of the best things in that whole movie um but we're not here to <laughs> talk like about being, cats it's like being <laughs> queen of the young anyway i i just i'm blown away by viola davis's acting in this movie all of the acting is great Denzel is also phenomenal in this movie. He As carries always. a lot of emotions. I find I found myself um, anytime somebody paused before they said something, I was ready to eat it up. Like I was I was on the edge of my seat just just to hear the conversations these characters have with each other. It was awesome. Anyway, the first time I watched it, that's mainly what I came away with was just how good the acting was. Um, and I kind of only remembered vague things about the plot. So I watched it for the second time today. And man, I, I liked it better the second time. This movie was so good. And this, I mean, I, I already remembered the acting. So like I was focusing more on the writing and directing this time. And I was just blown away. This is such a good movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, really, just like everything about this movie. Uh, I mean, like you hit it, like the acting, phenomenal, writing, amazing, directing, beautiful, every single thing. Uh, yeah. Um, the so I looked it up on Wikipedia as I do. I tell my students all day they can't use Wikipedia. Source. What'd you say? Yeah, I know. Source. I I tell my students every day they can't use Wikipedia, and then I go and do it. But um, I it said on there that um, August Wilson is is the only writer who's cited for this movie, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there were actually other writers who contributed to a script that he wrote specifically for a film adaptation, but he's the only one cited as a writer as like homage to him. And uh, I believe he actually also won an Oscar for best adapted screenplay. Cool. This, uh, let me check that real quick. Yeah, talk about something else. So um, one thing that, the last thing I was gonna say about my experience with the film is the first time I watched it, I had no idea anything about the play or August Wilson. But I remember watching it and thinking, I bet this was based on a play, mainly because it's all focused around the, the house in the backyard, mainly the mm -hmm. backyard. Yeah. Um, it's so setting specific. And that felt like a play to me from what little experience I had. And Luke, you said the same thing earlier today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think 
probably halfway through, I was sitting there thinking this, I was kind of, part of me was waiting for where's the next place that this is going to go? Where, like, what's the next scene going to be? Um, and minus what, maybe two scenes of them picking up garbage or in a garbage truck elsewhere. Um, the entire thing was at the home, um, which I just think beautifully represented that this movie and obviously the, pl the, the play was about the home, whether that be family, friends, whatever is coming in and out of the home, that's, that's the central point and uh, foundation of the entire film, which I thought was so well done. And I would even add to the list of, uh, besides the acting, directing, writing, um, the cinematography was really great. Uh -huh. I think even the, to, to be able to shoot an entire film of you know five different camera angle location type things and still be interested and captivated uh you know i think my favorite scene had to have been the shots where it was of the backyard and you can see the alleyway you know where the fence is going to be built and that was one of my favorite shots just because it's there's something about maybe, I don't know, like a representation of, you know, you have the backyard, you have the family, everyone's together or alone or whatever's going on there. And then you have this nice little tunnel. It's kind of dark. And you see the light on the other side, you know, something may, I could, you know, totally could be reading into that a lot, but I do no. think that symbolism was there. And I thought it was beautiful. Always read into things a lot. Mm -hmm. I'd say there was yeah. also uh, one line at some point that's uh, said, I think uh, Mr. Bono says it uh, about the fence, not, uh, always being used to keep people out, but sometimes keeping people in. And yeah. that, that was another line that hit with me. Also, a quick update on Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, it was nominated, but it did not win that year. Uh, Moonlight won. Ah, okay. There, there um, was a, another, another shot um, when they were at the bar. And uh, um, gosh, his friend's name was Bono, right? Bono. Yeah. And uh he's walking away, leaving him at the bar, and the shot is of <clears throat> Bono in the in the mirror behind mm -hmm. him. Um and that that was a really good way to I've seen this done in photography before, uh, but usually in photography it's just an artistic thing. Um and but this this may have been an artistic thing as well, but this carried meaning in that you have these two characters that are talking to each other but in the in that scene in particular it was obvious that there's there was like there was something you know there was a rift there um yeah and they're talking at at each other through this mirror kind mm -hmm. of i mean not not technically they're not but that's what that's what you see in in as the audience right it's so. presented that way to kind of show the uh distance that's been put between troy and go. uh bono because at yeah. this point um I feel like Troy is very much kind of closed himself off to everybody because uh, at this point he's already been closed off to uh, Rose because she's been like, you know, I'll, I'll help raise right now, but you're, um, forget uh, the exact phrase that she used, but essentially says, but I'm not going to be with you anymore. Uh, and at this yeah. point, Troy, or, uh, Corey's gone. Um, so he doesn't have much left. Yeah, Corey's yeah. pushed away. I mean, yeah. as about as bluntly as he possibly could have been. 
It was everything short of owning him. <laughs> yep. Hey guys, what's up? It's your old pal Ben. Y'all already know why I'm here to give you some announcements. Now, before I get started, I do just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who is listening. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to come listen to us. You know, there, you've probably got some better stuff you could be doing, so thank you for taking this time and spending it with us. Now, uh, if you're interested in signing up for our Patreon, you can get all sorts of cool bonus content, uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, early access episodes, all sorts of cool stuff. You can check all that out at patreon.com slash vitermedia. Another great way you can support us is by checking out our merch store. We've got some stickers and buttons that are available for purchase. You can check all that out at vitermedia.com slash merch. Now, the easiest way to support us is by sharing us with your friends, your family, whoever you meet on the streets. You know, it's Valentine's Day this weekend. Why not give the gift of Vider Media for Valentine's Day? Sounds like a great idea. Very romantic, in my opinion. But really, anything that you can do uh, to share it, whether it be on social media, whatever, it is greatly appreciated. Now, that's all I've got. Uh, be sure to check out everything that Vider Media has to offer. We've got new episodes of Setting the Skeen every Wednesday, and new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night at 9. Let's get back to the show. Man, it's it's gut wrenching. It's really emo- it's an emotional ride. Absolutely. The uh, the fences thing that's that Bono says explicitly. He says, uh, you know, your wife is is wanting you to build this fence to keep things in, you know. And the whole time, uh, Troy's, he, you know, he's got all this stuff that he's worked for, um, but he also knows that he's been cheated out of stuff that he could have otherwise had, mm-hmm. and so he feels discontent with what he has. And that's why he's acting out, you know, he ends up cheating and Bono seems to be saying, you know, Rose loves you and you've Uh got your sons, you know, you've got a good life here and she just wants to keep it. And you should be, you know, you should be there for her and there for your kids and, and keep this life kind of thing. So I think it's also interesting. uh, We see him get some of the stuff that he quote unquote wants out of life. Like we see him, um, get the job as a driver. We see him have this relationship with this other woman, but every single time he ends up disappointed by it. Yeah. Uh, because that driver, like that driver position, he doesn't get to talk to his friend uh, with that other woman. I mean, he says it himself that there's not anyone as good as Rose. Um, like it's something to make him essentially feel younger. Uh, but every single thing that he does that he thinks is, you know, for him is completely unfulfilling, which is wild. Yeah. I think one thing I wanted to add on to that, but also kind of what uh, Elijah mentioned before, feeling like he was robbed of a lot of opportunity in his life. I also think the relationship between him and his brother, um, and if I remember correctly, the check that his brother was supposed to get or you know got he used to like buy a house and to kind of establish something for everybody and then obviously you know Gabriel didn't want he wanted to go on his own but 
I think there was a lot of um, guilt and like maybe shame in Troy's mind for, you know, maybe taking something from him uh, or even just, um, it could have been a sense of like sympathy or empathy that he was unable to express because of the time and what it was like to, you know, hey, just work, shut up and work. That's all you really got to do, provide some money. Um, I think that was some, that was a theme and a, a value that I kind of saw played out a lot in the, mm-hmm. the film, and especially in that relationship between the two of them. So I, I get what you're saying. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I saw it so much as sympathy as much as I saw it like him explaining to Corey that there's not a rule alive that says he has to like Corey, but his his duty to take care of him. Mm-hmm. So I more saw it as um, after Gabe came back from the war, um, was in that crazy accident where half of his head was blown off. Troy saw it as his responsibility to take care of him. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, we see throughout the film, like he's constantly like annoyed with him and like, doesn't necessarily doesn't really seem to be taking care of his brother out of the kindness of his own heart yeah it it very much seems more like a he's doing it because he feels like he has to and he actually i would add to what you're saying i agree i would add to it as well saying um for noticing that he even seemed to be ashamed of it like when he was yelling in the street and Uh that scene after he gabriel runs away and troy just sits on the porch and it's just like, uh, why looking around and everyone staring at him. Um, I'm pretty sure there's another scene where Gabriel did something and Troy went off and was drinking, probably to cope with the difficulty of navigating a, a, a relationship between, you know, your brother who you probably knew for years is one way and now is different and you have to take care of it, feel, especially that feeling of like, I got to take care of this guy, uh-huh. you know? I'd say, and then there's everything that happens at the end with him um, when he is eventually taken to the hospital. I mean, mm-hmm. Troy, it's very clear, like, he doesn't really know how it happened. Like, he just signed some sheet of paper to get him released from the police, and that was it. He didn't read it. He uh, didn't know what was on it. But it, it's just another thing that feels like he was just doing what he felt like he had to do. Was there a comment? Now, I know at first I remember Lyons saying something about Troy not being able to read. And when I first heard that, I thought it was like a jab, a little jab. I I think Troy makes a comment about it too uh, when all this plays out. Okay. About not being able to read. Yeah, and he also doesn't have a driver's license, but he gets that promotion to drive the truck. He's like, ain't nothing to it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, just steer the car where you want it to go. Right. Well, you know, if he's if he's driving that truck and staying at like five miles an hour, he's probably safe, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably. Um, okay, I'm, I'm changing the subject just slightly, okay. but it's based on something y'all said. But I don't want to do it if y'all were... Go for it. If there was another point coming. Go for it. Good. Y'all, y'all sound like you believe all that stuff he was saying about I ain't got to like you. I didn't believe it. I go back and forth with it. Um, yeah, I think it's. I I don't know that it's something that he necessarily wants to believe about himself. I 
I think a lot of it is very much a front that he puts up. Um, like, I'm, I mean, I think he absolutely cares about his son. It, um, I mean, he, he doesn't, until, he doesn't kill him. him. Right. Uh, until yeah. the end, he gives him a place to live, a place to sleep, a roof over his head, food to eat. I mean, like he provides for his son. Like it, I, I think he's very much not good at, you know, showing that emotion, like showing that he cares, but I think he absolutely does. Does that make sense? He, he's still who he is. Right. You know, and he, he's, that's not going to change because he has children, at least not for him. Um, mm. And I, I think that was, and I think that was intentional with the writing is, you know, did he mean that? Did he not? And I think that's, humanity like when we when we say things like that like do we really did we really mean to say that you know and that's a question we have to ask ourselves do we really mean to make that rude comment or be that way to someone and i I think it's intentionally left open like that like i mean i don't think it's left open okay i i think it's implicitly telling us that he cares deeply about his kids but he was never taught how to like them Oh, yeah. And I think I, I agree with that. Okay, yeah, I think that's why um, Troy's father comes up in conversation so much. Mm-hmm. Troy's father is the one. Doesn't he say that his dad wrote the song about Blue, the dog? I think so. Right, they yeah. sing that song about Blue, um, and he. I think he tells Rosie, "My dad wrote that song." She's like, "I know," because clearly he talks about his dad in that song a lot. Mm-hmm. And that means something to him. And it even means something to his children. Yet, when you actually get to hear the details about what his dad was like, the man was awful. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, so this is this is getting into what we were going to talk about with generations. Oh. Um, and I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but I'm really fascinated with stories that deal with the ways in which generations don't understand each other. And they strive to love each other anyway. Um, so, for example, Corey, our own lives. <laughs> that's that's true too. But yeah. I was going to say Corey in the movie, um, the son who's who's living at home, uh, Rosie's son. So he wants to play sports, and Troy won't let him. He's like, "You need to learn a trade so that you have practical skills that nobody can take away from you, and you can always work." Okay. And you can hear him explaining that and saying, I didn't have that. And I had to learn the hard way, you know, that this, this is how I I had to work for this. I was homeless. And, and finally I managed to get this house to take care of you and your mom, you know, that whole thing. Um, But he, the way that he expresses it is he's so intense and stern and Corey interprets it, I think incorrectly. Because Corey ends up twice, he says, you just don't want me to be better than you were. And I think he's wrong. I think um, the way that Troy acted, not letting him play football, made it seem that way. You know, I think you can see why the son would think that. But I think he's wrong. I think Troy actually was just, he had had to work so hard to get what little he had. And he knew he deserved more. And he knew his son deserved more too. So he just wanted to make sure that his son didn't repeat the same mistakes. I think Troy was really trying to love his family the best way that he knew how. But when you consider the man that raised him, who taught him how to raise a family, you know? 
what he's doing the best he can. Um, to an extent, that's not true because the man's got serious flaws. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I um, think he really does love his family and he's really just trying his best to take care of them. Uh-huh. But nobody's taught him how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm, I'm also still processing this movie. So I'm trying to, un, like, I guess, like, fully think through everything. So uh, that I think that helps me understand it a lot better. Um, I think fully processing this movie might take like a year. For, right, right. Yeah. Like, uh, this is a heavy movie. Yeah, absolutely. See, I waited a couple of years before I saw it for the second time. <laughs> right. Um, I, I wish I had. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting looking at the difference in generations. Um, because like with the younger generation, like they with uh, Lions, with Corey, um, like they both very much want to have more of a relationship with their father um like we see a lot of times lions tries to get uh, troy to come down to wherever his band is playing that night to listen to him and troy is like well i need to go to bed because i need to get up and go to work in the morning um mm-hmm. i forgot where i was going with this <laughs> we're gonna edit this out right probably <laughs> Um, okay you were were talking about how both of the sons look up to him in their way and they i don't remember what you said now they want what's best for him or something like that um i guess like they want him to take more of an active interest in their life um but like you said like who taught him how to raise the family like we from what we learned of his dad, his dad never took an interest in his life. Uh, so I think it's interesting to see how that played out uh, with the dynamic between the two sons and uh, Troy. And I also kind of wonder how that dynamic would have played out with Raynell. Because um, I feel like raising sons is much different than raising daughters. And especially having, um, like if he had gone out to live longer, like, seeing how both Lyons and Corey ended up seeing if maybe he would have been different with Raynell. I think that would have been interesting to see. Yeah. I think, um, I think that'd be a, uh, that's a great point that I never really thought about. Um, I think there's two things there. One, would he have seen, um, I, I think with Lyons, I might, I might come back to that, but at least seeing like Corey would that would seeing him, his trajectory and his story wake something up in Troy to be like, oh, I need to do, I need to practice what I preach. Because I think one thing that Troy says a lot, and actually, and I agree with Elijah, like he's actually trying to love uh, Lions and Corey by not making the same mistakes that his father did. Um, I think that every time he had made, he had a story about wrestling with the devil and fighting the devil, I think that was his dad. Um, I think that was kind of a, an analogy to his dad was the devil, the evil in his life. And I think despite his hardest efforts to not instill some of the same qualities, maybe negative qualities that Troy saw in himself, he, he still by loving his kids in the way that he did which was very it came down to hey 
you got food, you got clothes, you got a roof. That's how I love you. I'm not gonna, you know, it's, there was almost two languages being spoke between these two generations. Troy was speaking the language of, I'm providing for you. I'm doing what I can to make sure that your life and the foundation of your life is better than mine. And his children's language that they were trying to speak was they just wanted their dad to be proud of them. You know, I think, you know, I think Rose even says that at one point, like Corey just wants you to say that you're proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lion's like, Hey, come see me play at the club. Like I he's basically saying like, dad, I'm really good. Like, come on, dad. Like, I just want you to see what I can do. And, you know, Corey with the same thing with football and, you know, he is trying to live up. they're both probably trying to live up to this expectation of you know your dad is the greatest um i couldn't help but think about so i avid bruce springsteen fan weird for someone my age but i'm I'm fine with it me too uh i think all of us are kind of fans of uh springsteen i will say me probably not as much as the rest of y'all but well, I'd, I'd say none of us as much as Luke, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I mean, I can go pull off a few books. That, you know, there, <laughs> Good. I, I know too much. But one thing he talks about through his music and his books and all this stuff is he talks about his relationship with his dad a lot. And there's this one line he gave in his like Broadway show or something. And he huh? said, um, my dad, we're always trying to earn the love of the person that never gave it to us and my dad was that person my dad was my biggest hero and my greatest foe and watching this movie about halfway through that that kind of line that idea that theme did not leave my head that and I think it's true for Troy I think it's true for the Lions for Corey their father and I would even say it's true in my life in some in some ways you know I, you know, they look up to their dads in such a way of, I want to be this kind of great person, as well as I don't want to be like you. It's this yeah. weird dichotomy that's going on. And I think Fences as a whole entire uh, play, probably and movie, especially, did a fantastic job of showing and, and illustrating that very human teetering and tottering between those two like this is something that i love so much but i also want to be nothing like this yeah i think there's also another line that rose says at one point i think to Corey uh, about how troy is trying to make sure that um cory is nothing like him but at the same time is also trying to make Corey exactly like him yes yes Mm -hmm. and and you're saying luke that's in a way also what Corey wants yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I, especially with how much Troy talks about uh, baseball uh-huh. and um, I think, I think Rose did a beautiful job of illustrating this when she was talking to Corey very frankly about the first time uh, she met Troy and how basically you know, he walked into the room and he was it. Like he took uh-huh. up the space. He was the center of attention he, he commanded attention in a way that, you know, she didn't realize would affect her down the line. And I think whenever you meet somebody like that, I mean, it's a mixed bag of emotions of like, 
I can't stand how prideful and big this person is, but I also want, I want them to like me and I want them to, that weird dynamic of, you're, you know, you're kind of jealous. I want to be that big, but there's weird pressure of this. We, I don't know this, it was such a human emotion and feel, I don't know. It, it kind of made me uncomfortable and kind of was like, Oh, I, Oh, I, I see that. You know, I understand that. Um, I don't know. This movie was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, Troy and Rose's relationship in particular is really interesting because we see it evolve a lot over the course of this film. Um, like at the beginning, they seem like it, like a very happy couple, you know, they're joking around. Um, and then we kind of see their relationship. I don't want to say like fall apart because it technically doesn't, um, but like we see it essentially go through hell and back uh, after yeah. uh, Troy cheats on her, but she sticks around because these are still her kids and she cares about them so much. And she has put so much of her life into raising her kids that um, despite him having cheated on her, she wasn't going to leave, which I think is. Well, she doesn't leave the house and she doesn't leave the family, but But emotionally she was gone. Right. Their relationship is shattered. Right. I think this was a good depiction of the time period. Because I think today, in a, in some people's situations, it, it could be a lot easier to like, I oh know, do this. Right, right. Then I think both the time period being a woman, being especially being a black woman, mm-hmm. and then with children, if she were to take the kids, I, I see that being, that being hell to leave and have to try to provide a life for your children that where would, straight where would up she, she would go? right she exactly. would not have been able to provide for them yeah yeah and so and it, it and that was one thing that popped in my head i was like logistically what could she could she she can't leave yeah she can't leave. yeah and and all she wanted was to put her daggum fence up around her beautiful home and her beautiful family and yeah. she i don't think she's about to throw that away because troy is I, I i keep coming to his faults yeah i mean he he's he's deeply flawed and I, you know i was gonna say probably something too strong because the man is complex you know and that's part of, that's part of the story i mean tristan used the term legacy earlier i like that that was a word that yeah. hadn't occurred to me but it's perfect his legacy is complicated the movie ends on a surprisingly happy note yeah um in spite of all the the bad and selfish things that troy had had done he does leave a good legacy maybe bittersweet um but he does leave a good legacy anyway he 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 did rose dirty and he did Corey dirty oh yeah and um he did lion right now yeah his daughter yeah yeah gabe dirty I mean, he, he oh, yeah. feels like he did everybody dirty throughout this whole movie. Um, and then seemingly gets a happy ending, which I, I, I think it's interesting uh, how it plays out. It's not the ending I expected. Um, I, I don't necessarily know what I expected. Um, you know, I kind of want to, I don't want to challenge that. I kind of want to add something to that. Um, I'll go for it. I'm happy to be challenged on that. 
I don't know if I don't think Troy would. I think Troy say he was in heaven looking down. Sure, he had the happy ending because what I think really happened, the happy ending that we get to see was family prevails. Right. Like that trumped everything else. That connection, that bond was far more uh, powerful than any kind of trauma or even <clears throat> more powerful because of trauma. Because uh, I was thinking, I think that the most telling uh, scene to me was Corey being like, I'm not going to the funeral. I have to say no to this man one time. I have to stand up to him. And then you see the just very, very small interactions between Corey and Raynell. And it, it's these small but beautiful, like, yeah. This girl yeah. literally went from, I don't know who you are, yeah. to singing the song together. I mean, whew, even thinking about it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I was watching that scene with my eyes as wide open. I was like, I am not, I cannot. Uh, you were trying not to cry too? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't cry. I've got a reputation to consider, but uh, <laughs> I had tears in my eyes <laughs> in a couple scenes in this movie. Oh my yep. gosh. Yeah. And, and that, I just think one. like that was just so one props to the everything acting directing like the technical side of creating that scene but even what that scene represents um that that bond of family prevails and i and i would say um in some sense in my experience and and talking with friends and and family there's a different part of me wants to say when it comes to being black in america that is the foundation of so many people's lives, like family. If we don't have anything, we have family. Um, and family doesn't include, or it is not uh, exclusive to blood. That is a bond made between relationships. Uh, that's, I mean, I think- um, Right, we see Bono there with the family back. at the end. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, he, exactly. he is family. Yeah. And I think even Rose made a comment saying, you know, I grew up with all these halves, half siblings and half this, and I didn't want it or step in. I didn't want any of that. Yet, despite that, she poured herself out as a mother to all of the children and even Gabe. I mean, she took so much care of Gabriel. Um, and I think uh, my, and then kind of, I would say that, that it's very common in, in black America, but I would also expand that to, groups of people who are not, you know, who don't have the luxuries of, you know, middle class and above America, where family is the core. Like, if you don't have family, it's hard to do a lot. Um, uh -huh. My experience uh, in turning out kind of in a more rural area, family is, I've learned through meeting with so many different kids, um, one of the most common things they say is you do not talk about my family. If someone talks about my family, they're getting it. And like that kind of connection, that bond, that, that is the pinnacle and the core of, of life in these places and situations where uh, there's not much else. And I think that's why the movie does such a great job of just centering and focusing on family. Cause that's what it is. I think you might be able to, summarize Troy's flaws by saying that he failed to understand what you just described. Mm. You know, he, somebody had to explain to him why Rose would want a fence to keep him in. Like he, he, I'll you call know, him up and tell him. Yeah. Do that. 
he uh you know i keep i keep mentioning that he thinks that he deserved more and he got cheated in life because he did he's not wrong he he did get cheated out of some stuff that he would have had if he wasn't black it that's his argument the whole time and other characters say you know you just weren't as good as you thought you were and maybe that's true too but either way um he's he's cheated out of some things and so he doesn't have as much as he thought he deserved but he fails to see that what he has is still really good his family Mm. and his home that he's worked so hard to buy and cultivate and provide for you know and and anytime they don't understand i i would say he's showing them love by providing for them and then they don't understand that that's him loving them in his way they question yeah. it and he gets prideful about it um partially because they don't know where he's coming from but also i think because he fails to see what you were just describing luke just how good he actually had it with his family i mean yeah. he didn't deserve rose that's for sure you know he, he may have been anybody che- no yeah he may have been cheated out of some some good things that he maybe did deserve but he also definitely had some good things he did not deserve <laughs> No. He was not good enough to have Rose. Um, yeah, yeah. Such good characters. I think, I think what you're saying to, I guess, talk a little bit personally, I makes me think about, like, from my dad's dad to my dad to me. One time my mom explained that, you know, my dad's dad, he, was, he like, worked in factories. He was an alcoholic. He wasn't around much for him. And so when my dad knew he was going to be a father. He was like, these are things that I am going to make sure I don't repeat. I'm going to, you know, and so, because growing up, I think the generation we're in a little, I would say my experience is a little bit more touchy-feely, more expressive of emotion. At least we're having conversations about emotion, that kind of stuff. And yeah, uh, I know like there were times when I would think, man, you know, I'd love if dad was around more to see this or to do this or whatever. Obviously think, you know, neglecting the fact that he was working so he could feed um, the seven children he had. Uh, So obviously, you know, that probably takes a little bit of time. Um, But one thing that my mom explained to me at one point was, you know, when your dad was growing up, his dad was not really around that much. His mom passed away when he was really young. When your dad and I, you know, were talking, one thing he said is, I want to make sure we have family dinner every night. I want to come home. I want us, I want us to sit down together and eat. And that was something that he was like, this is vital and very important to me. Um, and I kind of see through what Elijah was saying, and obviously through the movie, that kind of, in one sense, I'm, I want dad to like, tell me he loves me by doing X, Y, and Z things. He's telling me he loves me by making sure I have, you know, shelter, food, water, clothes, and time. Like, we're going to sit down, we're going to have dinner together. We're going to watch a movie. Today. We're going to go see Bruce Springsteen together. Like, stuff like that. That's his way of saying, I love you. And it, I think it does take a certain level of maturity to like, see that. And it also takes, um, I would say for especially the characters in Fences, um, 
some of these events are traumatic, you know, you kind of have to get through and process trauma before you're able to look back and say, Oh, that's what was going on. Cause if you're in the middle of something, it's hard to like reflect and be super thoughtful about it when you're like, I just, I'm trying to survive. Yeah. Uh, Kind of on that. I also think it's important not to discount the trauma that came from those events Um, Mm. because even if there are good intentions behind it, I mean, trauma still is not okay. And I I think that's very much a flaw of Troy. Like he traumatizes his entire family at, at one point or another throughout this movie. Yeah. Troy is blinded by his bitterness and sometimes by his pride, by his lust and loneliness, uh, that's that's kind of the thing that pushes it over the edge when Rose and Corey just don't want anything to do with him anymore. He and and I'm thinking that it it largely just stems from him feeling like he deserves more and he got cheated out of stuff that he deserved, um, and it, and so he he acts out in these ways that are harmful to the people in his life who love him so much that they're better than what he deserves. And he fails to see that he's hurting them. Um, And so, you know, I think forgiveness may be an implicit theme here tied in Mm. with this concept of a complicated legacy. I mean, to hear Rose talk about Troy at the end of the movie sounds forgiving, Mm -hmm. but also Ben, that doesn't mean that there are excuses for the wrong things that Troy did. I mean, he, went too far i mean the way he treated Corey was not right the way he treated rose yeah he left a complicated legacy and that's you know troy i guess luke you were saying he hadn't processed his trauma right i mean yeah yeah i think just that one scene it's interesting because i would say like in my education when it comes to social work is and i'm sure you guys are probably aware of this, um, but maybe for those listening who aren't, trauma can come in various forms. I think a lot of times people think first idea of trauma is, you know, giant car accident, um, witnessing something insane, crazy, uh, intense, and it's this one moment and it's kind of forever, kind of, you know, you go back shell-shocked and stuff like that. There's also trauma that builds over time you know the same thing of if you have an abusive family member that trauma that happens every day or every other day slowly builds to where you know say with troy if troy was physically abusive to Corey, any time with a baseball bat any time that Corey sees a baseball bat maybe hears a baseball game it could bring him back to that that memory and that so I think trauma is, I love what you're saying about forgiveness. I think that is one of the most elusive and difficult, truly elusive and difficult things to truly do in a person's deep in a person's heart and soul. And I think the movie did capture Rose forgiving Troy for so much, not neglecting it being wrong not saying it was okay but forgiving him for her own benefit you know for the family so that she can move on so that the family can move on um but yeah i think i definitely think Corey was uh 
I think we got to witness a very beautiful moment of Corey processing and, and recovering and forgiving, maybe beginning the path to forgiveness um, at the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And of course, forgiving someone for the wrong things they've done is not the same thing as pretending it wasn't wrong what they did. Right. Yes. Right. You know, she's, I mean, she tells him you're a womanless man. I mean, they're, they're still married, but their relationship is just, she's done with him in a way. So she's not sweeping it under the rug that he did wrong by her. That's not the same thing as forgiving. And so she yeah. does come forgive him at the end. And I think you're, you're right. Yeah. We see Corey start to do that. So I guess that scene, like you said, Luke, it's like she has processed her trauma. And now we see Corey begin to do that, right? Yeah. That's heavy. One thing I left um, after this movie, so in social work classes, these are the types of movies that we'll watch. And then afterwards, we'll have like a class or two classes of discussion to say, what were the different systems and the themes and the family dynamics that you saw and this, that, and the other? Um, which are usually great discussions, not to do that voice, like I'm mocking it, but um, the, the end of the movie, I was like, this would be a prime and perfect movie for one of these classes. Because I think what we've said multiple times and should be said multiple times is this is a great movie of the human experience mm-hmm. and a very specific yet common part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to read that play now. Yeah. Oh, if it ever, if I can ever see that, I think it'd be incredible too. Yeah. Well, Tristan's part of a theater group. You guys see if you can get somebody to do fences. <laughs> yeah, we're we're That's really depends off the rights are available. Yeah. That's true. They, I mean they 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 should be. Why wouldn't they be? Yeah. Tristan, I want you to play Troy, okay? <laughs> you give me you give me Troy vibes, so I just yeah yeah I definitely watched this movie and thought you know who he reminds me of Tristan. No, I'm more like Bono. <laughs> Tristan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Can we take a moment and just talk about how great his character was? Yeah. Yes. Just that like nice, wise, very funny man who just you always need that person in your life. Just and a he, good man. He was yeah. a good man, and he was good enough friends with Troy to look him in the eye and tell him he was tripping. Yeah. Um, it was an excellent foil to Troy. Yeah. 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 Yes. I think that, I think um, one thing I do, I end up dealing a lot with the, the middle schoolers that I meet with is talking about friendship and friends. And a lot of the times we have students like, Oh, I don't want to say anything mean. I don't want to like, what are you talking about mean? Like, Oh, I don't want to tell them that I think this and it, they say something that's like, well, that's just an honest thing that they probably need to hear from a mm-hmm. friend. Right. And I think, uh, again, it's that it's this nice depiction of maturity through years and ex- I'd probably more say experience because um, you can go through a handful of experiences and gain a lot of maturity of realizing that your really good friends are the ones who will look you in the eye and say, don't mess this up. Don't lose this woman. Don't mess up this family. You know, do the right thing. And and Troy listened to that. And he turned around and he said, and he told Rose, 
I would say his mistake was, now I told you I'm going to still go with this woman. I'm not going to, you know, leave her for you. I'm just going to let you know that I'm doing it, which was a yeah, whole thing. Great. Yeah. He, um, yeah, that, that was heavy. Um, and he, by the time he got around to telling Rose that he'd been having this affair, she was already pregnant. And yeah. um, maybe I'm too eager to give him the benefit of the doubt, but maybe he was actually just staying for the child. Anyway, I, it's like Bono was good enough friends to look him in the eye and tell him, don't mess this up. She loves you. You need to love her back. Um, and it was like, he was just a little too late, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but he tried, he did try. He said, I've seen you talking to that girl and laughing. You need to back off, you know? And Troy didn't listen. And, and finally Bono had to just tell him straight up yeah. what he had to do. Yeah. But it was maybe a little, a little late. What can you do? I guess. But yeah, Bono, he was a real one. He was an honest man too. I, mm -hmm. I liked that. Uh, he said, you finish the fence and I'll buy that fridge. And he did. Super yeah. small comment, kind of seemed like a joke, but that, I know it's like something about that meant, spoke a lot to me for some reason. Yeah. All right. Well, let's score this sucker. Uh, for those of y'all who uh, may not have listened to us before, we use a hundred point scale. Uh, it's pretty simple. You can kind of think of it like an American grade scale. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like whose line is it anyway? Uh, everything's made up and the points don't really matter. Uh, so who wants to get started? 95. 95. Why? This is such a good movie. And I, I actually went into watching it for the second time thinking I would give it right around a 90, maybe even a high B. Mm -hmm. but after watching it the second time, I'm like, this is such a good movie. Even if it's not in my top 10 or anything, it's just so good. It's hard to find a problem with it. So I'm giving it a really high score. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of my favorite movies um, consist of strong, strong characters. Like all of my top movies do. Um, and I'm going to give this a 93. So pretty, cl pretty close to Ben. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had a really strong character in this one. And it gave us a lot to talk about and a lot to think about. Um, so... That's what I got. All right. So I know you said that it was pretty close to me, which is technically going to be true, but I think you meant Elijah. Oh, Elijah. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Doug, you got my name wrong again. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's a mess. Uh, I'm actually going to split the difference between y'all and give it a 94. Um, like y'all <laughs> said, incredible movie. Um, I really want to watch this again, but after I've had some time to process it. Um, and honestly, I think my score would only go up. Nice. Oh, am I next? Yeah. I, so as you guys were scoring, I was like totally starting to reconsider my score, but I'm going to stick true to my original number and I'm going to give this a nice 87. Um, I would agree with uh, all three of you, but especially Ben, I think if I watched this again after some time and got to process and have some space, that score would probably go up matching more in your, in your guys's, ballpark um i would probably defend my score just by saying although i loved this movie beautiful uh semi 
semi-perfect in the way that it did so much um it's not in the like the category or the genre of movie that i normally am like oh i have to see this and see it a thousand times um i think it's i think it's one of those movies that everyone would benefit from seeing Uh, i'd recommend it but i would not hammer home like if you don't see this movie i won't be your friend (laughs) yeah yeah I, I tend I tend to have the opposite effect on, the, like when I when I see a movie that uh, that I like a lot and I rewatch it later, my score usually goes down. <laughs> yeah, cause you because ride, you ride a high from the movie at first. I do, yeah, I always do. That's that's been. A, I remember when I went to go see The Incredibles uh, when it first came out, and I wouldn't stop talking about it for years, and here we are to this day. So it is good. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. Hey. I don't think anybody used the word virtuoso, and I think it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. This this movie, I mean, I'm thinking about the acting. I'm thinking about, I, I gushed about Viola Davis a little bit, and I could gush more about how good Viola Davis She's is. She's immaculate. Yeah, wow. but um, Denzel was, I mean, not just the, the lead man, but director and producer. Mm-hmm. This man knocked it yeah. out of the park. It. I don't think virtuoso is too strong a word for the work he put into this. So good. I also personally watching the movie Denzel, amazing Viola. I love Stephen uh, Henderson's portrayal. I would say of all the acting in the movie, I thought um, my oh his real name's Michael Michael Williamson, the guy who played Gabriel, Mm -hmm. Um, my Kelty uh, Williamson his performance blew me away because i think depicting people with um disabilities and and various forms and fashions is a fine thin line Mm -hmm. and i he was it was beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah we didn't talk about him enough did we i would say no but i also think I would also say that's good. Keep the people wanting some more. Go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, bringing this back to the scores and plugging this into our patented scoreometer. Hey, Thank good you. job. Sure. Uh, the, it comes out to a final score of a 92.25. So it's a really good movie. Uh, so we've talked a lot about Denzel Washington these last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, him starring, directing, producing Fences, and also producing um, My Randy's Black Bottom. Next week, we get to talk about his son, John David Washington, in 2018, Spike Lee's Black Klansman. And I just realized, I didn't get any of y'all to ask me. Dang it. That's okay. okay. You said it. Thank you. That's true. I did. Uh, but, they ask, so. Well, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to uh, do Black Klansman next week. It's going to be a great time. Be sure to uh, check out that episode once it drops next week. Uh, until then, be sure to follow us on social media at Viter Media. Uh, also check out Tea with Doug G every Monday night at 9 o'clock. Um, yeah, that's everything. Um, so until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. I'm Luke. And this has been Setting the Scheme. Y'all have a great week.